Religious? How we know the earth to be banana-shaped? This new learning amazes me, Sir Bedivere. Explain again how sheep's bladders may be employed to prevent earthquakes. Oh, certainly, sir. Look, my leech! Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And, uh, well, so for this month, we bring you once again our What the Devil is That segment. This is where me and Andrew are watching a film that neither of us have ever heard of before, not just not seen. We have never laid our eyes upon the title of this movie. Our initial reaction when we see this title is often, What the Devil is That? And uh, once again, we have that going on. Right. Um, and this was one that I, I guess I just decided, I, I sort of found this, uh, I guess I forget exactly how I came across this title. I think it was in doing certain research when we were going in our, uh, in our episode about, um, King Arthur and the Legend of the Sword, mm -hmm. uh, which is bound to happen. Um, had, it's in, you had never heard of this movie before, right? No. Yeah. And, and it, I thought that was interesting because... You know, Andrew is even more into King Arthur lore and stuff and movies and things like that than I was. He yeah. was the one that introduced me to uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So, and yeah, and so when I saw this title, and it is free to watch on YouTube, uh, in case anyone's curious to check this out, the Siege of the Saxons. It's actually just called Siege of the Saxons, I should say. Not the most inspiring title. No, maybe not. But and what's interesting too is that um, the very same year this comes out, this came out in 1963 mm -hmm. uh, by Columbia Pictures. That same year, and I don't know if it came out just before or just after, but also in '63, you had the Sword in the Stone, which uh, you know the Disney take on the King Arthur legend. I have to wonder if the producer of this movie knew that the Disney one was coming out and decided to try to capitalize on it. Or if they just decided, eh, we have this set, let's this cheap set. Let's get some people and make a movie. Ordinarily, I would say no, probably not. But judging from the hastiness of this script, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I would. That's a good word to use to actually describe some of this movie. I actually thought that this was, um, more so in for me in the production quality than even in the script, it felt hastily put together. Like the, it, it almost has the quality, and I know that this might not be a fair thing to charge against the movie right away, but it almost has the quality of like a TV production, or like I, a TV show. Well, in some part, I wouldn't go that far. I think it looks pretty cheap. Well, it, it, they 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 reused. Uh, they actually some of the battle at the end. I discovered came from another movie hmm. it was stock footage from a movie called the black knight huh i um, think i've seen that movie really yeah i think it's a peter movie from cushing the is i think alan ladd is in that movie really yeah or but, alan ladd jr I'm not no sure. it would be alan ladd okay yeah alan ladd jr was a, an executive i don't think he would have been all right i might have gotten confused it's fine but uh but we should talk about so this movie it is a king arthur story however it's almost like I guess, could you call it like a King Arthur sequel? No, this is more like 
something inspired by the stories of King Arthur. Yeah. Because here's the thing. This movie is about... It's about two characters, but the basic setup is King Arthur, he's living it up in Camelot, and he's dealing with the Saxons. The Saxons yes. come from Europe, and they're they're a big threat, but King Arthur's got a handle on it because he's King Arthur. One of his nobles is named Edmund, and he's plotting with the Ron Saxons. Howard. Right, and he's plotting with the Saxons to... Uh, to take over the throne. Yes. And he has a daughter named Catherine, and he has Excalibur, and Merlin's around, but no one knows where he is. Yeah. And one day, he just decides, he falls sick, and he's like, look, I'm going to go to a castle and, and and wait this out, and that way no one will find out I'm sick, and everything will be good. And along the way, he and his party meet a man named Robert Marshall. Mm-hmm. Played by Ronald Lewis. Yeah, Ronald Lewis, who... Uh, in case you don't know who he is, you might recognize him because he was in a movie which we haven't seen. Uh, I don't think you or I, but we've seen a, a review of it. Mister Sardonicus. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was he Sir Robert Cargrave. Yeah. Oh, now I remember where I recognized him from. <laughs> he has that face where you're like, I must have seen you in something. This before. British man seems very familiar. Yeah, this British man who's wearing uh, throughout. Through much of the film, uh, some type of leather clothes. clothes. Leather clothes that is it just me, or did his character seem a bit like they were trying to also match a little bit of Robin Hood into this? Yeah, and I didn't mind that. He's not Robin Hood, but he's playing a very Robin Hood like type. Yeah, when they introduce him in the movie, he he's an archer and he's he's in like a tree, I think. Yeah, and he's aiming at. Uh, he's he, aiming at another tree and he shoots an arrow and that stops the party and they're just and there's like oh I'm, it's like what do you want it's like all right you got to give me uh, you got to give me 50 gold to uh to get through my forest yeah exactly and and i like his introduction because yeah because ronald lewis is perfectly charming in that sort of robin hood role sure he is he is robin hood in everything but name only yeah but he and he's like Oh, you, you'll have to pay me th- to get through get through the forest. And the, and King Arthur's like, st- is, is like, wait a minute, I'm your king. He's like, oh, you're a king. Okay, <laughs> now the price is doubled. <laughs> yeah, but then, he, like, he has a little bit of charm, at least. And, and and he says something bad about Edmund, and everyone's like, oh, you ruffian. But King Arthur's like, you know, sir, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> yeah, join us. And, yeah. and that's the kind of thing I like from this sort of film. <laughs> the, the idea of, like, you know, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, and he's great at the beginning. He he shows a lot of promise. The, the beginning of this film is, is a good setup. Yeah. You understand what's at stake, and you understand this is the situation. This is, we're going to have an adventure based on this. Yes. Now, as the film goes on, however, yeah. problems start to show up because aside from Robert Marshall, the character, yeah. nobody else pulls their weight in this film. Not too much. I think that <laughs> Jeanette Scott, who plays Catherine, yeah. they try to ask her to do some things, but she's kind of one note. She's one note because her character is one note. Yeah, she, she she's not given too much to work with. Her character is basically 
you're King Arthur's daughter. You must do things. And she's like, well, what am I going to do? I have to do things. I don't know. She's, and she doesn't know how her, to do things. She doesn't know what to do next. Yelling. She doesn't have. I'd say more like whining. Yeah, I wanted. <laughs> but, to, I wanted to like her too because it's with her. You'd think that the arc is okay. She starts off a little whiny. She's probably had a lot. Uh, she's taken a lot for granted because she's King Arthur's daughter. She's had living a life of royalty and luxury. Then her father dies. She now has to take the throne. Yeah, her but arc she is never... supposed to be that she sucks it up and becomes the queen that she's meant to be. Yeah, but it doesn't really feel organic. She no. just she just kind of. All right. Well, now I'll become the queen because I'm. It's part of the plot. She's more of a plot device. Yeah. You know what? She doesn't do much to affect the plot. Yeah. I, she's not in. She's not important to the plot in so far as she's a character with motivations and and commits actions yes she's more important for what she is which is the heir to the throne edmund's trying to take over the throne yes she can stop him because she's the heir but she does very little to stop him yeah and it's the the whole thing and people think that she's dead through a lot of the movie she might because, as well have been yeah. In script. <laughs> yeah so edmund is he leading so he's part of like a rival faction in England. I no, guess. he well, he's an Englishman. He has his own. He has his own lordship. Yeah, he wants to become the king. He is trying to seize the throne with the help of the Saxons. Yeah. The Saxons just want to come in and plunder everything. Yeah. When we talk about though this movie cutting corners, though there there are certain things. When I talk about that, that feels that part of this movie feels cheap. It's not just in the sets. Uh, maybe the, I shouldn't. Maybe it's a little unfair. They they have what they work with. It's a modestly movie obviously but there's nothing lavish movie. about these no sets. nothing lavish there's there's, nothing... Li there's one exterior shot where i did say out loud it's only a model yeah and there's nothing particularly uh compelling about the action sequence. the action either. was the weakest part of the movie yeah i, I actually i actually looked forward to the scenes of the characters talking because at least there i could see acting i could see character interaction and i actually kind of enjoyed that more than the action which just felt oh so uninspired I think about knights of the round table i showed you that film that is no great film no but it had action spectacle in it yes there are sh wide shots in that film there are wide shots yeah there are wide shots Sorry. in that film <laughs> of knights galloping across fields yes. men clashing uh and even when there's just one-on-one -on -one combat, it looks like those two guys are really going at it. Yeah. And, but here, and fighting desperately. Yeah. In in this one, even when it's like in a room, men fighting with each other. I mean, the guy who plays King Arthur, he pulls out his sword and he's trying to fight. But you can basically see him slowly swinging just so he meets the other guy's sword. Also, kind of yeah. back and, and forth. Oh and there's... Ooh. I'm sorry, I'll, you can keep going, but I have, I have to tell you something in a moment. And it's, and then at the end that final battle sequence, I rec it's it's very difficult to get any handle on what's going on, and I see the same shots recycled when men are falling off their horses. Yeah, and it looks and there's so many like jumps in in cut jump cuts and so many uh, ways to try to knit the action together. But it just produces this sort of incomprehensible mess. It, it seems more like a montage of battle shots than yeah, it does like a coherent the, battle. Especially in the climax. Yeah. Some of that felt so disconnected when I was watching that. And also, it's 
again, this is also something to chalk up to the time that it was made. It was in that period where 1963, you st- you're still five years out from the uh, from Bonnie and Clyde and the end of the Hayes Code. And so you have a lot of action in this movie. It's really bloodless. And the scene that especially stuck out for me, I don't know for you, but so King Arthur gets shot by an arrow at one point, right. but he doesn't die from it. Oh my God. He gets, he gets sh- shot by an arrow and it's just like nothing. Yeah. And not, not just his, his reaction is like, he's a Vulcan or something. It's like, yeah, he gets shot with an arrow <laughs> And he's like, oh, I've been shot. And then he just kind of walks. <laughs> he walks off screen. And he's just like, he's got his hand on it. But he's walking. He's walking just like a normal human being. And this yeah. is a man who's supposed to be frail with sickness. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, out of my way, out of my way. It's only a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> and then he sits down and then he opens up his uh, vest. And there's no blood. Nothing. Well... I'm not even so concerned about that, but if he had acted it up, yeah, I would have at least been convinced. It's yeah. like, okay, there's no blood, but I'll pretend. How about you? Clearly, yeah. did not put any effort into this kind. No, sir. no. Mark Dignam is the actor who played uh, who played King Arthur, yeah. and there's not too much in his career that's exactly uh, distinguishable. Like he just has a lot of character points. Oh, actually, he was in a movie the same year as Siege as Siege of the Saxons. Yeah. There's another movie that came out called Sword of Lancelot. Oh, God. I think I've seen the beginning of that. It looked so dull that I stopped. <laughs> Cornell Wilde directed that, and uh, I was looking up. Oh, and then oddly enough, in that one, Mark Dignam played Merlin. Mm. Wow, the probably the only actor to play Merlin and King Arthur in the same year. And, oh, but here's oh I, I feel so bad man i just looked up the director of this movie because i didn't know much about who this guy was uh nathan his name is Ger- nathan duran he so mostly his 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 career is colored by uh tv work but he also had he had one title that stuck out to me he directed jack the giant killer jack the giant killer is a masterpiece compared to this film <laughs> Jack the Giant Killer was a Rift Tracks movie. Yeah. They but did that live. I actually missed out on it. I saw it, and it, it, <laughs> again, it's no masterpiece, but that film had an energy about it, and it had a it had a soul to it. It had characters, it had actors who committed to those roles, even no matter how ridiculous it was. Yeah. But that film had, uh, to for lack of a better word, it had panache. Yeah, it's cheesy now because we look upon that type of film and it's it's got you know stop motion monsters and it's got kind of silly looking costumes, but that's all par for the course for the time. Jack the Giant Killer is a much better film compared to Siege of the Saxons. Yeah, the more I think about it, I, I as I tried to watch it, I thought to myself, okay, well, yeah, there there, there are some issues with the script, but but you know, Ron Howard is is kind of carrying me through it at least a little bit. But now in retrospect... Ronald Lewis. Ronald Rulis. I'm sorry. I got the two Ronalds confused. Uh, bad Ronald. Bad Ronald. Um, I didn't... Ronald Lewis, he, he is charismatic through a lot of the film, and he tries to carry it. He's the only one who is trying. I will tell you that. Compared to, like, Mark Dignam? Oh, my God. Mark Dignam showed up to this, like... I'm going to work here like a couple of days I, and get but paid. But he died at the end of the first act. You know, that, too. That's not his fault. Uh, but there are... Yeah, you know, Jeanette Scott, she doesn't... 
I wouldn't lay the blame for this on Jeanette Scott, who plays Catherine, basically because her character wasn't given much to do. I mean, you could be the best actor yeah. in the world, and if the script isn't there, what are you supposed to do? Also, in some of the action, too, I don't know if you noticed this, but sometimes when I'm looking at an action scene, talk about laziness. Sometimes you look at... Uh, maybe... And, and I don't know if this is because I'm... You know, I'm, I'm raised on a lot of action movies where you see really epic action <coughs> where efforts put in, but this was just lazy. Like uh, you, you see these people in shots, and you might not have a lot of people on horses, but you might have a decent amount. And you look at the people swinging swords at each other, and they're just like, eh, eh, eh. That's why you're supposed to look in the middle of the shot. <laughs> I, but that no, but that but that is that goes away to being like how this director just really slacked off on this, and uh, I, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe the producers thought that maybe this would be a a quick little thing for the for the kids who were obsessed with King Arthur. And yeah, they could. They base. It feels like they hammered it out and just kind of put it back, put it out in the theaters. Yeah. And that, you know, and they made and they made a, a decent enough chunk of change for it to justify its existence. It's kind of a shame because you could see some real potential here too. Like you could see uh, a story involving this guy who is like Edmund, who is part of the King Arthur group, and decides to take power for himself. And you know, there could be a lot there, but they yeah, there's not. Also, I think Merlin should have been introduced maybe a little bit sooner. He, Probably, he's, he's but, left. He's left as the character that you fi- that is intru- is finally brought into the movie more than an hour into it. Yeah. And when he shows up, he doesn't do that much. No, he he happens to know a key piece of information that helps them, but it, he doesn't. Uh, uh, but he doesn't. His performance doesn't make much of an impact. His appearance doesn't make much of an impact. He, you know, he's nothing special to look at in that film. It, it, the movie lacks realism. It lacks depth. Because, yeah. I mean, Robert Marshall, he starts off as an interesting character. He, he's clearly he's clearly a rogue yeah. who, who's out for himself. But the, the longer he goes on, the less we realize there's nothing else to him. He just becomes a piece of the plot. He, he's the guy who will, try, who will probably get some, another character out of a mess. Yeah. Of a scene. He's the knowledgeable person who who is the most able person in this. And he more or less drives the plot. Yeah. Because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. And we don't find anything else out, out about him. He's just... He's he's no different at the beginning of that film than he is at the end. Mm. Yeah, I wish I could say a little bit more about this movie. but I I'm... feel a lot like the King Arthur elements were added on. this film you think it started as a robin hood story no i don't even think that i think they just took i think they took the robin hood type and inserted it in there and Mm. you know let's get let's get ronald lewis to play the part and but you know this this doesn't the only characters in this that are king arthur related are king arthur and merlin this Mm. story isn't in any sort of war yeah i don't remember i'm not worried about that but it's also uh this feels like a generic king. Hmm. And they throw in Excalibur too, but basically just so they could say it's a magic sword. It, it does It does come into it near the end. or But at least only the... once. 
Yeah, they, they don't really use it enough, and they it's and, a and convenient look, plot device. And and we I know that we when we talked about Legend of the Sword, uh, that that King Arthur movie, Excalibur is pretty ridiculous in that. Yeah, the way that's used, but at least they do use it. At least it's consistent. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a super awesome sword. It, it's it's a little cheesy the way that it it's kind of ends up being used. Sure, but it is it is it is. You can at le- I can at least say that in that movie, for all the problems of that, um, Arthur and the sword, there is actually kind of a progression in that. Yeah. You know, he, he, he starts out not being able to use that sword, and then little by little, he tries to get a little bit better at it. it he sees more things in it. In this, the sword is just... The, it's one part of a chain of the plot of this film. And it's a pretty tenuous plot in this film. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't dis. I, I don't know if I disliked some of the dialogue as much as I guess you do. I, I thought, like, again, for me, at least, even though there were kind of weak characters, at least in dialogue scenes, I could feel like, okay, well, here are characters talking, and I have this. Whenever there was action, though, that was when it especially felt really bad. Mm-hmm really bad and not just because it was bad action because ultimately in the ter- in terms of the plot it was well, pointless yeah there was there was one scene where robert has to storm a castle by himself to save merlin and he goes in there and he finds no merlin's not here he's just, <laughs> he's just not here and he has to get out and it's like we could have skipped that entire action sequence and yeah. We would have gone to the next scene, and like the next action and the next scene is them rescuing Merlin now that he's on the road. Yeah, it's like you could have skipped it. It's like, oh, Merlin's not in the castle anymore. They they're sending him up north or whatever. It's like, all right, let's go save him. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it, it's it's a little dull. All right, but that's the thing. It's dull. It, the the and I think that comes down to the writing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the writing was was a good was part of that. All the uh, flaws in the characters and in the and in the plot and the dullness, it was all down to this script, which probably wasn't meant to be anything spectacular anyway. It seems just kind of like a pot boiler. Yeah, maybe if maybe as a again that this guy this director did a lot of TV stuff. Maybe if this had been, I don't know if what you cut out exactly, but I'm sure maybe there are things to cut out. Either you cut out things or you add to the story. Maybe make it a TV pilot. And then, I don't know, maybe beef up some other characters. Maybe this could have been a TV series. What you're talking about is a complete overhaul. <laughs> That's like, okay, I'm going to fix your cart, but I'm going to take all the parts, I'm, I'm throw trying. away, and I'm build tr- you a new cart. I'm trying. I'm trying to give this movie some type of help. Um, it's but the, the only, more I'm talking about it, the less I like it. Like I, I went into this trying to be like, eh, there are there are a couple things I, I liked about, it. but now I think about it, I don't know if I do. Nah. I <sighs> this is what Knights of the Round Table could have been if people didn't care about it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. Oh god, we have talked about Knights of the Round Table so often on this. I didn't think that would be a film that we would continually reference. Well, no, and and the funny it, thing is throughout the podcast. Well, the funny thing is there are other King Arthur movies that we haven't really talked about as much either. Like we haven't Excalibur. talked about Excalibur. We haven't talked about My Python, The Holy Grail. We, we haven't, haven't talked about First Night with Richard I don't Gere. Think I, I haven't seen that. I haven't one seen it either. I've seen, I we haven't I talked about King Arthur with uh, Clive Owen and. and yeah, 
I mainly because I haven't seen it. But it doesn't seem like anything I want to see either. It seems like a generic historical epic like the kind that were being released back in the two, early 2000s. Yeah, I have to... This is the generic historical epic of the 1960s. Oh, God. Every... it's But I feel like it's interesting because every decade does get its King Arthur movie, though. It does. Yeah, because in the 50s... Well, what, what did we have in the 90s? Was that like... Well, First, first Night. Yeah. Then in the 80s, you have Excalibur. In the 70s, you have Holy Grail. In the 60s, you have this. Well, we have a lot of stuff in the 60s. Yeah, there are a lot of little things. King Arthur just keeps popping up because he's very popular. Yeah, I guess I, so. My mom asked me once. I told her I was going to go see King Arthur with you, Legend of the Sword. Oh, okay. And my mom actually brought up an interesting point. It's like, why does why do they keep making King Arthur movies? Why yeah. why is he the one that keeps popping up over and over again? And I'm like, and I thought about it for a moment, and I think it's and I I answered her. I said, I think it's because when you think about knights and castles and medieval epics and stories of swords and sorcery the best example of that we've had throughout history is king arthur yeah there are other examples but, but nowhere one... near as famous as recognizable or as exciting as the lore of king arthur in its way it was probably the it's kind of like the star wars of its time or type and it, well, it inspired no, star, star wars. wars is the king arthur of our days ah good good way to phrase that well yeah because you have it's not just king arthur the character you have all the other knights of the round table you have merlin you have guinevere you have lancelot other characters you have this edmund guy i guess i know we just talked about prince valiant that is connected to king arthur but in its own special way yeah somehow people keep trying to mess around with king arthur and you sometimes and a lot of times it works like excalibur did yeah Here's a but question. a lot of times it doesn't work. Here's a question. This or Legend of the Sword? I don't know, because both have major problems. I don't know. I feel it's like... hard, because Legend of the Sword was ultimately boring, yeah. but it had interesting touches that I liked. This had a promising beginning, but it ended up being bland. Yeah. And I don't know what's worse. I mean, well, technically they're almost the same thing. Bland and bo- or boring. Yeah. I I don't... <sighs> even if the screenwriters had just... Even if they had beefed up Ronald Lewis a little bit more. If they had made him really strong. But Yeah, give him a backstory or yeah, something. Yeah, he doesn't have a backstory. Yeah, I could have come up with a good backstory for him. And I'm like, maybe he's a disgraced noble who didn't, who lost all of his lands and stuff. Or maybe he's a... I don't remember much no, being said about him. he doesn't... That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. He doesn't... We don't learn anything more about him than we learn when we first meet him. Everything in the movie is plot. Yes. For the mo- pretty much. We don't really get to spend much Not time no with the drama. characters. Not yeah, and the drama of it again—that that moment with the arrow is ridiculous. You know what's also weird about that? Yeah, Edmund is traveling with King Arthur. Yeah, he has sent an assassin ahead to kill King Arthur. Yeah, and his castle is abandoned. Edmund is taking Arthur to his castle, which yeah. is abandoned. I remember a really that sequence where, uh, by the way, one the character shows up at the castle and no one's there. Was that Ronald Lewis? I yeah. I like that scene. That was very intriguing. I wasn't sure where that was going. Yeah, it felt cinematic. But here's the thing. That assassin, Ed- Edmund and Arthur and everybody else, they meet 
uh, Robert Marshall, and King Arthur's like, hey, join us. And Edmund's like, hey, Robert, why don't you go ahead to the castle and, and tell everybody the king's coming? And he's like, okay. Yeah. And he expo- finds the castle abandoned, and he explores it, and he's like, what's going on? And that assassin that Edmund set ahead knocks him out. Yeah. Takes his bow and arrows and uses those to try to assassinate King Arthur. What was the plan if they didn't meet Robert Marshall at before getting to the castle? I didn't think about that. Yeah, I thought of this right away. It's like, okay, you were planning on meeting an archer whose bow and arrow you were going to steal? That was a coincidence. <laughs> it's bad writing, that's what it is. <laughs> it's plot contrivance. Oh, God. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend this movie. I, I might... If I was to answer that question, Legend of the Sword or this again, I'd probably watch Legend of the Sword because there were just cool things to see in that film. I I think that Legend of the Sword, I think what what angered me a little bit more about that movie than this was that there was a lot, was, there was even more potential for that movie. Yeah. Um, it also had, talk of, that was like a major budget. Mm-hmm. This, at least I can say... Okay, they they didn't really have much to work with. That's not an excuse. No. But it's much more of a low budget to modest budget thing that was probably meant to, you know, let's throw this on the bottom of a double bill with something else. Um, get it out there. Uh, did it make an impression on me? Not too much. No. Um, it there looks was no a lot breakout. like other films of the era. There, yeah, there was no breakout presence in it no um, i mean the only other person we the only person we can really recognize is uh is ronald lewis yeah but that's only because he had a bit part in a film in a cult film that we uh wasn't it a bit part though no it's not not a bit part i mean he was he was the lead in that film yeah i, I but who's going to talk about his performance in mr sargonicus yeah. i also discovered which that, is uh, which is counted by some to be a pretty bland performance i also discovered that the actress uh uh, Janet Scott was in uh, Day of the Triffids, which I have not seen, but I've heard things about. I haven't that. seen it either. Yeah, Killer Trees, man. Yeah, Killer Trees. Um, M Night Shyamalan. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't think I'd want to watch either of them. I just watch Knights uh, of the Round Table again. Yeah, I I feel bad about <laughs> recommending this. I thought maybe I thought maybe hey, I not saw every, the title of this. That's and... the thing. That's the thing about what the devil is that it's not always going to be a home run. We've yeah. been lucky for the last four months. We found four decent films we hadn't heard of. Yeah. We were bound to come across something that was lackluster. Yeah. I just, I, I feel bad that because it's That's also a, it's also a King Arthur movie too. Eh, there have been plenty of bad King Arthur movies. Yeah, I You guess just so. got to accept that. I'll be curious if to, if to find if like, you know, again, we talk about how there seems to be a King Arthur movie every decade or so, uh, or a at least for every decade. A standout King Arthur movie good point yeah i don't know what the standout king arthur movie is for the 60s but i wonder if there is one in like the silent era who knows who knows so yeah if you somehow happen to see this movie send us an email tell us your thoughts you have any thoughts about that king arthur or um are any of the other people that aren't really king arthur related in this movie send us an email to wage cinema at gmail.com yeah, God, looking at the cast list for this movie, yeah, except for King Arthur and Merlin, it's almost like the kind of thing where if you got like a Batman comic 
And it was like... Uh, He's got Batman. Oh, Robin. God. I'm reminded of... Uh, I didn't watch too many of his reviews, but there was this internet reviewer named uh, uh, Linkara. Uh, and uh, he did some review of a Batman comic I watched where it was like, Batman Jazz or something. <laughs> and it was like... It was some story to do with like a jazz musician or something. And it was like, it had nothing to do with Batman. But for some reason, they put Batman, and I think Gordon was in it. This is like the <laughs> Batman jazz of King Arthur movies. That's a really weird comparison. But I don't know, we, it just popped into my head. But when we come back, we will go revisit the offices of Dr. Andrew and Dr. Jack, and revisit one of the great flops in movie history. We have quite the diagnosis to give to this movie, where we're going to return to uh, actually uh, franchises that you would not expect. Uh, that's all we're going to tease for right now, but uh, stay tuned for that. You know, on second thoughts, let's not go to Camelot. It is a silly place. Right. All right. 